From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 886, patching in 2023 with guest Sammy Leho. Recorded Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today, Sammy Leho is one of the world's leading professionals in Windows operating systems and security. Sammy's been working with and teaching operating system troubleshooting management security for more than 15 years. He's had top-rated sessions at Ignite and many other shows, actually. And he's also a Pluralsight author. And uh, are you a chair now for Tech Mentor? Yeah, I am. Yes. Yeah. So you're helping other people make conferences now, too. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm the chair for a co-chair with uh, Dave Kabula. Oh, yeah. For Tech Mentor. And in November, we have a brand new co-located conference with Tech Mentor, part of the Live360 conference thing. And it's called cybersecurity and ransomware live that's good you know you're the man right like uh i count on you for dealing with the hard stuff last time we were talking about you were in the middle of of breaking apart active directory like reverse federation which was the craziest thing i'd ever seen but i totally understood you know unprecedented situations I, I got to imagine, you know, the war still going on, but all of that stuff is largely resolved now. Right? Yeah, those like, things are. All of the domains have been broken and will probably never be rejoined. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, when the whole thing started, uh, the risks that we had were that Putin was uh, threatening to cut the internet connection. And also, we started these operations on Friday, and on Monday, they were accepting a law in Kreml about it being legal for Russia to take over foreign company assets. So for example, when we have factories there, they could just take the factories to their own use. But they actually started using it against Finnish companies only about maybe two or three weeks ago. So the threat that we had waiting for after 72 hours, it actually ended up taking about a year But they just did that for the first time for a big energy company in Finland. So they basically took over the took over all the factories that were left behind behind the Russian border. So they created a created a legal contract to say this stuff is ours now. Yeah, exactly. Great, but but your your role in separating those things and protecting the assets that were abroad that's all done. So that's all done. You don't have to worry about that. But I, I don't think that's what we're talking about today. I think we're you you you've been dealing with the firefight that is the infinite number of patches. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's something that I've, I always have a theme for mm-hmm. a few years. Like I started my started my career by getting rid of end user admin rights for companies, and then I had the same customers coming back. And then the next five years, we deployed application control like AppLocker for everyone. And right. now, for the past few years, we've been uh, deploying privileged access workstations. And now my next thing I want to do is I need to help out all the IT admins by convincing their management that it's actually needed 
for them to just batch more and test less. Wow. Because, I mean, the reality is for most IT organizations I talk to today is that they just simply won't accept patches sight unseen. They want to bundle up a group, apply it to a, to a lab version of Windows, run through certain key apps and, and sequence tests that they want before they'll let it loose on the main org. Yeah, we're all coming from uh, like a world where patching can't ever stop production. Right. That was just like a rule that would never be broken. You would, you would wait until everything is tested and then you would install it and then that would end up in being usually like if a very very fast company would be patched against even these most critical zero day problems they would only be patched after like uh two to four weeks right and that was a that was a good one that was a fast mover and yeah that was a fast mover now last year we had for windows we had just a little bit less than 1300 patches and well the good thing about that it was the all-time high so last year we had um i think it's 1292 patches for install for for windows Uh, but the good thing was that it was actually we hit a 10-year low on the amount of critical patches but that's a little oh wow that's a little bit um I mean, in, in reality, we had double the amount of ransomware attacks than we had the previous year. So in Windows's case, it seems more like we have maybe a little bit less critical patches, but then those vulnerabilities are just like abused even more than ever before. Yeah. So they're like super critical. But just to be clear, Sammy, how often do you see ransomware attacks via zero days versus phishing and, and business uh, email compromise, that sort of thing? Well, that, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, my, my theme on trying to fix this issue comes straight from numbers. So statistics-wise, right. 21, uh, year 2021 and year 2022, those were the first years in the history that phishing was not the most used attack vector for right. ransomware to gain access and it actually was unpatched vulnerabilities and then and and when you say unpatched vulnerabilities it may or may not be zero days but the reality is it's no a pat the patch was out there it hasn't been applied yet and the black hats are using it and um i mean We've aimed all our protections against phishing. Right. For the past dec for the past decade, we told everyone everyone needs MFA. Yep. Everyone needs training. Everyone needs simulated phishing attacks in their companies. Yeah. We put a lot of effort into that. And why did we put a lot of effort into that? Was because that was the most commonly used. Yeah, that was the principal vector. Yeah, but now it's not. So on one hand, this is a celebration. We've succeeded that this is no longer the principal vector. Yeah, I think MFA starts to be de facto and not just the <laughs> kind of like exception. I'm I'm seeing it in cyber, cyber insurance policies requiring MFA. Yeah. Like you're not covered if you're not MFA across the board. Yeah, yeah. And MFA's actually gotten better too, right? Like the new version oh, yeah, of Authenticator yeah. where you have to pick the number. Yeah. Like my goodness, that makes such a difference. Like they, they, yeah. they just can't, you the user, it's easier for the user and harder for the user to make a mistake with. They're not just saying yes to stuff that, that picking a number means they have to have both factors in front of them. So, you know, it it's doing the job. So the reality is patchings are problem now. Yeah, patching is really the problem. And if we're, if we're really thinking about that, 
I think I think we need to kind of trust the numbers that if the numbers say that your biggest threat is unpatched vulnerabilities, I just think we have to accept the fact that we just really have to fight against it with the only thing you can do, which is patching. Right. So we and that sort of trades off this idea of I'd rather be down in production than hacked. Yeah. I mean, my idea is that uh, what I'm trying to explain to all the executives is that if you can choose to have, I mean, let's say you install a bad patch. It was past, it was patched Tuesday yesterday. So mm-hmm. let's say you now inst- you now install a bad patch, and that means that something goes really bad, and you're gonna have to take a snapshot. And re- I mean, you're gonna have to revert a snapshot on your server. Let's say you face a downtime of two hours. That is right. That is a controlled downtime that is uh, run by you. And I think if your downtime, for, if you if you make a that one hour downtime because of a bad patch, in reality your management should be sleeping better, because that is a lot better option than having a one month long downtime that is run by someone else. It's a breach, and let's face it, breaches take longer than a month to clean up. Absolutely, and even a day of downtime for a bad for a bad patch is nothing compared to recovering from a breach. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's a, uh, and I mean, also the numbers. If we think about the fact that you have like that, they say that currently, if you calculate like a uh, let's say a big, decent sized enterprise and um, like maybe ten thousand users, for example. So, like big and in Finland, huge, but right globally decent sized enterprise. They say that if you have one thousand. 300 batches for windows but in total what you need to patch is around 20,000 batches per year yeah once you once you start looking at the suites for sure yeah it's it's just a, it's just an insane amount of uh insane amount of batches and now if I, I have people attending my webinars and after the webinar you have like a little bit more free form conversation or you have a mm-hmm. q a session and i have people who they don't really they don't normally maybe publicly post those on the webinar but after the webinar i've had a lot of people who ask me like can i can i get some advice from you on prioritization because my job nowadays is nothing but batching right they were they were hired as a person to take care of sccm or they were hired as a person to take care of intune and now they eight hours a day they just batch they don't do anything else so i mean well, you and me, at least, both of us can remember this very well. Back yeah. in the back in the days when antivirus was our primary protection against mm-hmm. everything, we would actually even test the definition files. Yeah, yeah, we would. You would first you would first roll out the definition files to like IT department, check yep. that nothing broke, yep. and then after that you would you would roll it out. Yeah. You, now, that it wasn't getting false positives against a piece of software. Yeah, and in general that it didn't it didn't didn't break anything. Yeah. But I I would I would dare to say that now you or me neither one of us will know a single person who would today test anti malware definition files when they arrive. No, not at all. Well, they're mostly defender files anyway, but the the question is of all these patches that are coming in, and I think Windows is a big offender on this particular one. They're not all security patches, right? Like my yeah. cer- certainly I'm seeing like Windows is testing features out, out in the wild through patching. 
and I don't know that we can sort those out. Like in, in some senses, I think if we're if we are, if we're going to allow downtime because the breach risk is so high, we also have more weaponry to push back on the vendors to say, "Don't screw up your patches. Mm. Give me a separate stream that is just the security patches." Yeah, and and make sure they work exactly. And there's, um, I mean, we have to get we have to um, kind of like give some slack to Microsoft because. Compared to a closed ecosystem like Apple, for example, they just—it's impossible for them, of course, to test everything. Sure. Because too many different hardware configurations. Are, yeah, exactly. But I would—I would just. Um, I mean, if we think about um, where we need to go, we honestly need to be more like trusting on the manufacturers, and we need to get those patches just kind of flowing through like the anti-malware yeah. anti-malware definition files do. So right. I, I honestly think that that's the only possibility to be able to patch. Now, you, you said something that's really important, which is that I get a question all the time from my customers. And so what's the, rec what's the recommended time that you can take? And my rule currently is that um, for critical, any critical patches or when you're patching something that has a public IP address talking to it, uh, I mean, a port open to a public IP address, those need to be patched on days two or three. Right. So, but that's the critical ones. I mean, we just to remind what I said in the beginning, we hit a low in the amount of critical patches. Yeah. So just criticals are getting rarer. Yes. Yeah, just kind of like, if this sounds harsh, then just, Breathe a little and think about it so that, yeah, hey, exactly. It's a harsh world, Sammy. Like, I, I count on you for giving me hard truths here. <laughs> so uh, so you can concentrate on the critical ones. Anything that anything that listens to a, IP address, a public IP address port or in general critical fixes, those should be patched on day two and three. With the, re with the rest of the patches, I don't really mind if you wait some weeks i would of course prefer i just saw a customer with i, I was asking i just saw um saw a network diagram and i was asking about some computers and it's like what else they okay so we'll batch these now and what are these two servers well those are vms and they were booted like 10 years ago so i do understand that we have different kinds of environments we have right. environments but still i mean the general rule would be Critical patches or patching it, patches for anything that is listening to a port attached to a public IP address, then that's day two or three. With the rest of them, whether it's two to four weeks, I don't mind. And then we have a rule if you're using Fortinet firewalls, then I would say you patch on days that start with a T, and that would be Tuesday, Thursday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> Any day ending in Y. Firewall, firewalls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fri firewalls are, they, they, uh, then that's that's unfair. I mean, it's not just Fortinet. Of course, Fortinet has had a, a bad uh, reputation lately. Yeah, they've had a bad run. Every firewall has some bad days, man. Like that's just reality. Exactly, and that and and that and that always piles up because mm -hmm. when when Twitter goes crazy and says that Fortinet has this much holes found, then all the security researchers start hitting Fortinet. Yeah, and they'll find even more, inevitably, right? We've seen those waves happen over and over again. You get piled on. Ultimately, you're going to be better for this, but boy, it sucks yeah. while it's happening.
exactly. Yeah. So firewalls are the main thing. I mean, uh, we got few, we got a few big breaches, ransomware attacks happening in Finland on the public sector, and um, I I would say that the first contact for these usually is hacking a VPN gateway or a firewall. So that the kind of the number one attack points and then right then uh, we had a few with uh, cameras up camera systems so it's an interesting one where a Finnish company was taken over by a uh, um, they have an office in US and the local IT department just decided to install surveillance cameras but they plucked the surveillance cameras straight to the internet and connected the server that's capturing that video stream into the normal network and then that camera was talking to the public IP address and it has Linux and that was unpatched and they first right. hacked that camera through the vulnerability. Then they moved from that camera to the server and from the server they moved to the Windows environment. Then they started using the normal RDP, which stands for Ransomware Deployment Protocol. <laughs> so uh, they they yep. would uh, start going around with... RDP was still on inside. You thought it was safe. Like, so, yeah, exactly. Back to per- bad perimeter security mistakes. So then, so then, um, and then it ended up being a global outage for yeah. a month or so. So That's amazing. It's serious. Yeah. And Sammy, I, I'm going to interrupt for one moment to this very important message. Your users are working remotely, and the bad guys know it. New phishing attacks are already landing in the inboxes of your users, Are those computers as protected as they would be if they were on-premises? If their machine catches ransomware, is restoring from backup really the answer? Don't be the IT admin that could have done something to prevent the problem, but didn't. Block the badness and prevent business continuity problems at the source by using PolicyPack on your hybrid Windows machines. With NetRix PolicyPack, you get the power to manage applications and browsers on Windows 10 and 11, overcome application UAC prompts, block unknownware, dynamically configure the Windows start screen, taskbar, and file associations. As a bonus, you can use NetRix PolicyPack to deliver any on-premises group policy and group policy preference settings to your remote work machines for the security and configuration they need. Learn how thousands of other administrators enhance their remote work scenarios. Come to policypack.com to start a free trial. That's policypak.com. Netrix Policy Pack. Powerful data security made easy. Do you find managing and patching your third-party applications in your organization a challenge? Say goodbye to inefficiency with Application Manager by Recast Software. Consider this. What if you could manage all your third-party applications from one centralized location? With Application Manager, you can. Application Manager transforms how you handle third-party patching and application management, making your IT environment more secure and efficient. Imagine automated updates right at your fingertips. But Application Manager does more than manage updates. It covers the entire lifecycle of applications, from installation to uninstallation. The result? A clearer understanding of your application environment. If you're an organization using Microsoft Configuration Manager, Intune, or WSUS, this is the sensible choice for you. Application Manager removes the hassle and ensures all your third-party applications are up-to-date, decreasing security risks significantly. Join thousands of enterprise organizations in over 125 countries that trust Recast Software for their IT management needs. Let us help you streamline your operations with Application Manager. With Application Manager, better management is within your reach. Find out more at recastsoftware.com. That's recastsoftware.com. Stay secure, stay efficient, and stay ahead with Application Manager by Recast Software.
And we're back. It's Ron As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Sammy Leho. We're talking about the fact that patching is becoming the critical uh, weak link now in our infrastructure as we've managed to secure our users better. I think, you know, a lot of what you just described in the first half there is perimeter security problems that once they can punch through through any of these weaknesses, then they're running rampant through our networks. Like, does. Zero trust should help this, that just because you got through to one device doesn't mean you're going to get much further. Yeah, that's what I'm telling everyone now. Everyone's asking me, like, what's up currently? And I always, I, I, there's currently, I have like some, some very, very um, horrible numbers from last year. We had, first of all, two hours was the average that it took from the initial breach, the first the first entry point to the victim's network, it took two hours on average to get from that to domain admin. Wow. But detection's probably two months away. Yeah. And then uh, and then the um, actual, well, related to that, the average that it took for them to actually activate and do something was 180 days. Wow. So the long monitoring cycle. Yeah, and and also it also it's related to the fact that we're facing this really insane ransomware as a service business. So right. I mean the the ransomware in 2021 and 2022 was still the number one uh, threat type, but right after it, almost at the same percentage was access harvesting. Right, which means that they they, they will find your weak VPN router, gain access, but then they just resell the access. And that's also what affects this 180 days. Not just that they're only monitoring and lurking in your network, but they might be just reselling access, capturing those, yeah, reselling credentials. So, and it's, uh, it's insane. I've been, uh, I've been just dealing with these uh, gangs and I just like, I find it so amazing that there's a uh, Finland that we had a big uh, public sector breach and the attacking uh, ransomware was actually Lockbit 1 and Lockbit 1 is a very old version because yeah. there's Lockbit 2 and 3. Lockbit 1 is actually funny for us because it's, we've been relatively well protected against it because as weird as it sounds but as no one admits that they're Russian but uh, Lockbit 1 actually won't activate on your machine if it's fi- if it finds the Russian keyboard layout. <laughs> so there's uh but it's not russian goodness knows no 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 for goodness no no sherlock holmes will try to figure out <laughs> where they're from but uh, anyway so they were hacked with lockbit one which of course tells a horrible story that we are not even equipped to handle the like two versions older yeah. strains of ransomware yet the new ones but also it tells us things that people don't think about it. The ransomware as a business, first of all, all the attacks in Finland, they were done by ransomware affiliates, which means that they pay 20 to 30% of the ransom they gain to the actual ransomware gang. So the ransomware gangs didn't attack a single place in Finland, but we had a lot of affiliates attacking. Hmm. And then when they used the code for, uh, for encrypting the machines, that code actually has a watermark in it so that the ransomware gang can identify who the customer is that is using their code. Right. So that they know to ask for correct licensing and they know <laughs> where the money needs to go. And you know, they have like, they're using Lockbit 1 because the ransomware affiliate has not renewed their 
has not reviewed their software assurance. Well, you know, you so just software, can't count on criminals to pay their no, fair share, can that, you? That, yeah, exactly. So, I'm, I mean, it's it, that's also, I mean, that's part of the story why it is like 180 days. But if yeah. you go back to the two-hour limit, then I always, when people ask me nowadays, Sammy, what's your job? What do you do? And I always explain them that two hours is the average it takes from zero to domain admin. And my job is to try to extend that two hours as much as I can so that your security operations center has enough time to react to the threat. Right. And in a way, in a way, this feels really bad for me because, you know, I I went for two decades into my customers saying, I'm here to make sure you don't get preached. Right. And now I'm going in and saying, I can't do anything about you, you being preached. I'm mean, just slowing them down so much that your reactive protections can catch them before it escalates. Yeah, before you lose control. So it's a little bit difficult. Yeah, a little bit difficult for me mentally to kind of, it kind of feels a little bit like I'm giving up. Yeah, but they, the subtext here is that there's always a breach. The question is what happens next. Exactly. It's never. How, how much can we slow them down? Yeah. No, you never, you never, you never, there's those who are breached and those that are lying to themselves. Yeah, exactly. And there's like, you, no company gets on the news by having ransomware. Yeah. That gets every company gets ransomware. But if it escalates from there, it's only when you have those news that says company X was breached or company X was hit by ransomware that, that, that doesn't happen if you have a single computer getting it. Everyone does that. So yeah. it's about us letting that escalate and laterally move from a single system to the other ones. Yeah. That's what makes the difference. Till they, till they, till you're operationally out because they've taken control of your network and, and shut you down to get you to pay. I'm, I'm now thinking about, are we really talking about just turning on Windows Update to let the servers update in real time? Is that... Is that how far we're talking about going? That's how far we're really talking about going. I, I, I have. And then taking the risk of that you're going to have outages because of that. Yeah. So Windows is pro Microsoft is actually providing for if you if you run your stuff, um, if you have if you have um, Azure licensing, you can for a feature called auto patch. Right. So auto patch actually takes care of patching. It still has you it still has rings where you can set this will be run instantly for these computers and then these and I mean you can still control it but we're going towards more of uh, just free flowing those patches through and we will be hit sometimes with bad patches. We all know that the, the Microsoft doesn't have a very good uh, track record lately. No. I mean they've had a lot of those patches and um, but I mean we just can't. I mean, if we have so much patching, it, the alternative, the a breach is still worse. Yeah. I mean, if you have, if you can choose, I mean, like like we just discussed. But I mean, if mm -hmm. you can choose, you control one hour. Yeah. You are ready to. You have your people there. You have your snapshots done. You know what button to press. Your phone lines are operating. Your networks are operating. You have full control compared but, to total chaos. Yeah. For a month. For a month at least to get even something running. Plus, of course, if you think about incident response, we can currently say that the first week of incident response, even for a smaller environment, is around $250,000 sure. that you're looking for. Yeah, so, yeah. These are, these are cheap in comparison. Just for, I mean, that's only, yeah, these are just incident response um, engagement. I mean, that has nothing. It also makes me wonder if we get real-time patching like this and then we're, now we have patch problem response. 
Now I, I start to build an ROI for, hey, we always have a problem with this old piece of software and rapid fire patching. Maybe the answer is to get rid of the old piece of software hmm. or this old hardware. Like you've created a new set of incentives for if I, my, my job is to provide secure resources for my organization and maybe upgrading that stuff so that it can be patched reliably and continue to function is a better answer than blaming Microsoft for a bad patch. Exactly. And one thing that people have to remember is Center for Internet Security, CIS, mm -hmm. has for the past three years said that out of the 18 most critical security controls to block 99.99% .99 of threats, number one is up-to-date hardware inventory and right. number two is up-to-date software inventory. Right. So, I mean, if you keep if you anyway you're gonna have to put in that those zero trust principle principles like principle of least privilege uh application control i mean binary control because otherwise you can't have an up-to-date software inventory unless you lock that inventory down somehow right but also they all that also affects this one because if you think about it the better you control your software inventory the less you have to patch because if you're running 10 different versions of adobe reader right you're going to have a lot a lot of patches only 10 and and it also you know, every time you patch that stuff you can spawn tickets from it so pushing to a consistent version mm. so that your tech support is simpler and you know behavior is consistent and if there is a bad patch it's only it's affecting the one version the same way so there's one fix to it Mm. All of that gets better if you take these problems on. They, 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 there's something about this that reminds me of sort of the CI/CD pipeline that mm. when developers get in a routine of being able to push new software, you know, initially every couple of weeks, but you know, often now it's more than once a day and have rollback strategies and roll forward strategies and so forth. Mm. This sounds like that, but for security patching. Mm. Yeah. So if devs can do it, why can't admins do it? Well, and, and we now have a case to do it, which is that, mm. you know, uh, our goal of maximum reliability means not being breached, too. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, numbers numbers don't lie. Yeah. Here we are. I mean, they are good news numbers, in my opinion. Mm. Just hearing that we've actually dealt with the authentication problem enough and educated our users enough that we've lowered that number where we now have a new number one problem. Yeah. And it's, and, and so a couple of years of hard effort around mm. patching strategies should get us to the same place. Exactly. All right. And now's, and then if you think about that's, that's the entry point for them. So unpatched vulnerabilities, we block that. Then if you think about if one thing, if we think about the batches that Microsoft had for my, for their products that, around 1300 patches 55% of those patches are against privilege elevation attacks right so if we just trust the numbers we can say that the the thing you have to focus on the most currently is patching and then if it goes through that barrier of protection then if 55% of all of these aim at getting admin privileges, you should not get give them admin privileges. Right. That is still what the attacker is looking for. Yeah. So just kind of follow these principles on, and we have to build the defense in depth and have different kinds of many, many I, I get this question all the time. Sammy, mm -hmm. just last hour ago, you told us to block this in this way. 
x and now i think we're doing the same thing with this way z right and i like I, I know i know it sounds weird but because the fact is that you're just they're trying to swim through your security barriers and you just put more barriers in between because nowadays even if you think you have a sec if you if you have a security feature that you put in place and you think there's a potential hole in it it's still good for slowing them down yeah so people should also change mentality a little bit. I mean, you can't build a 100% protection anyway. No. So you just slow the enemy down and then your security operations center will catch them. Yeah, it's not about building one perfect door. It's about having enough doors exactly. that you, you'll have time to respond to the attack. Absolutely. Yeah. But now the thing here is that everything we, talk, we, everything we talked about, what I'm trying to help people by having the same kind of a talk on big stages around the world is that we honestly have to get the information up to the management level as well right because the ad admins who would do what we would ask them to do they're still the ones who get the blame from the management unless the management if we unless we get it to sink in that you rather take a controlled risk of one hour than an uncontrolled risk of months oh, yeah of months and huge amounts of money and public embarrassment and potential fines and mm. all of the things that a breach represents ooh that's a good point public embarrassment think about this number if some number has scared me last year uh like in europe um there were 180 severe security as uh, severe cybersecurity or cyber attacks right out of that 180 with all the gdpr fines and everything only three went public wow so also when you read twitter and you see me tweet on monday tuesday and wednesday about a ransomware attacks just remember that there actually was 180 attacks right yeah we just don't see most of them but they're going on all the time yeah and it's people it's i i hate i hate i hate the fact that if you have, if someone robs a bank, no one blames the bank. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, if, if someone robs a bank with a gun, you're not going to go to the bank like, you're so stupid. Did you let them get your money because they have a gun? Like, no one's going to blame the bank. But in our, like the cybersecurity world, there's still a huge stigma on this and people are not willing to admit that they were breached. Right. It's It's a really it's also something that because the management this all tying together because on the other hand the management would believe us a lot easier if there were more public cases right yeah no i, I think you're right and and the, the, here's the truth there's gonna be yeah because the this is still profitable to the black hats and as long as it is there's only going to get more be more of them why do you think they have syndication services and ransomware as a service and all of these models because that's how big this is growing and it's only going to get bigger. So the question is, are you going to get on the right side of it? Yeah. Starting to have that conversation with leadership about trading outages mm. that we need to patch faster. And the only way to do it is to take a risk on outage and then address the outage problems. Don't just blame the patch. There's going to be a pattern to outages that means we could remedy them other ways. Ah. Yeah. And it's anyway, backups, backups, backups. Yeah. I ways mean. to recover quickly <laughs> yeah. and then to be able to assess because the vast majority of these patches are going to go through just fine. Yes. But you shouldn't stall them all for the 1%. You should respond quickly to the 1%. That's just a new set of skills we can mature to be safer. And I think we're up for it. You know, this has been ripe to be improved. Yeah. I think there's plenty of pressure to put on Microsoft with AutoPatch to be better at just give me the patches I really need. Mm. Getting savvy as to what should roll immediately and what 
can be can be waited on and, and expected further. Exactly. Uh, I think all the players are going to have to get better, but part of it is us demanding that they get better too because we're going to have to move faster. And, you know, all patches work perfectly perfectly when they're not deployed. Mm. So yeah. now that folks are going to have to start deploying them and deploying them more often to avoid the breaches, we're going to get be able to put a lot more weight on make sure your patch is going to work well for us. I mean, we were talking about like, yeah, the, Microsoft can't test every hardware configuration, but you're also making me an argument for the next time I have to lease a new set of hardware, I'm going to lease the mainstream stuff because it's more likely to work with rapid fire patching. Exactly. And you're going to have a big player. That means bigger resources for testing. Yep. So absolutely. There's a strong case for that. Spend a little more money on the mainstream gear for fewer patch problems. If Microsoft could really fix this, they should. I, I don't know. I don't want to be. I don't want to be uh, giving advice to to uh, Satya Nadella and the guys. But if you yeah. look at it from my perspective, I would say that that would be a hell of a way of selling more Surface devices. Yep, or something. Making a vendor category that says, hmm. this is the stuff that we test every time so you won't have patch yeah. problems. Yeah. Because, I mean, Microsoft would probably have no problem. I mean, not near the same amount of problems. Or, at, I mean, it would be at the same level as Apple if they would do this, if they would commit to do this only for the Surface lineup. Right. Because that's a con- controlled amount of device. At least some particular set of hardware. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you because they had they've had bad patches for Surface too. I'm well aware. Mm, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, all of this can be better. But delaying the patches is really becoming not optional. I hear that. Mm. Uh, Sammy, always terrifying to talk to you, but I really appreciate your uh, <laughs> your sentiment. I I am to please. Yeah, you, and you deliver, friend, every time. <laughs> uh, where can folks learn more about you? I'll include the links in the show notes. Uh, com is the best one and follow me on Twitter that's where I'm trying to be most active So awesome Sammy great to talk to you again thank you friend thank you so much and we'll talk to you next time on Ron As Radio Radio